In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Welcome to the fourth Daily Memphian Grizzlies podcast. I'm Chris Harrington, lead Grizzlies writer. And after a couple weeks of special guests here in the studio, I'm joined again by colleagues Jeff Hawkins and Don Wade. Guys, since last we spoke, um, the Western Conference game of Marco Polo has floated the, had floated the Grizzlies to the top of the Western Conference standings, and now it has dropped them back down beneath the water. I think they're like six today as we speak. Well, this is... We're talking here on a Wednesday uh, ahead of the Wednesday night game against Portland. Some people who listen to this may get it before the game. Some may get it after. What do we make of the state of the Grizzlies? Well, to me, I'm less concerned about the the state of the Western Conference than I am about the state of the Grizzlies, and um, in particular, the state of Mark and Mike, um, and in particular, the state of Mark, right? I mean, in the end, uh, and you said this heading into the season, and most people said it heading into the season, that, that a lot of this comes down to whether Mark and Mike can stay healthy. And we saw it, we originally thought of that as a, uh, in the context of will they play or will they not? And instead what we are seeing is will they be healthy enough to play effectively right. or not? And so that's what, and you wrote about it today in the Daily Memphian, that's the fundamental question. Um, and it there's not enough, it was interesting to me is that JB and the, in the um, in your Q and A with him, said, "Listen, we don't need a hundred percent mark. Um, it's not the end all be all whether he's contributing offensively. And the problem is with this team, it kind of is the end all be all, or or at least is is a big part of it. Um, there's not enough." firepower beyond Mark and Mike that it's that it that it's hard to survive without a fully engaged um, and effective Mark and Mike and so that's where the concern lies and it's a different it's a different framing of the same concern because they're not sitting out at least not to this point but it's about health and effectiveness yeah, I think there's a danger in, in getting greedy. I mean, before the season starts, right. they probably had like a set number of games, as we talked about a few weeks ago for Mark and Mike. They play every game. They're both playing well. And you start to think, you know, at least subconsciously, oh, maybe they'll play all 82. they will never be a problem. And now there have been some problems. And it kind of feels like they're a little bit in denial. I mean, from Mark, you expect that, that he's going to want to go out and play no matter what. But JB almost sounds like, He's in denial with the idea of yeah, just keep pushing them out there, pushing them out there, and it's kind of the old pay, pay us now or you know pay later. Well, they sort of have survived with bad mark in the sense that since he sprained the ankle, they're, they're three and three like with right. him, right? So it's not like they you know I mean, they beat New the Orleans with bad mark. They beat yeah, New Orleans right. on the road. They beat a good Clippers team. Um, they won at Brooklyn, and then the loss. I mean, the losses. Denver was a little shorthanded, but it was a one possession game with three minutes to go. Um, really, the Laker game was the one sort of you know blowout. But, right. but they have, I think, is it is encouraging that they have been competitive without good Mark and or and or good Mike in some cases without either. Um, but to me, the real issue is it's sort of like an SAT question. Like when when you, when you when I talked to Mark about it, he said, asked him like, "What's this ankle going to heal if you keep playing on it, or will it take longer to heal?" And he said, "Well, yeah, it'll take longer to heal." And the way he phrased it was. You know, you can sit down and it'll be healed in five or six days, or you can play on it and it may take two or three weeks. And so to me, that that the SAT question is six days of bad Marc Gasol, um, 
I'm, I'm, this is so complicated. I can't do it in my head. Right. But it's it, so so you, six days of, of no Marcusol plus two weeks of good Marcusol is that greater than <laughs> less, than. less than or equal to <laughs> three weeks of bad Marcusol? Right? right. And I don't know what the answer well, to that calculation. Well, the, is. the further complication in that calculation is that the numbers that you're working with to begin with, a we don't know them, and b I don't think they know them. I don't think there is an answer. Um, I don't right. think Fred Azar would say Marcus if guessing. you sit him down right. for six games, he will be a hundred percent. Marcus Hall's guessing. And so even the variables um, heading into that are difficult. It's something that we've coped with at a diff- to, to more or less before. I mean, how many times have you heard Mike in previous seasons say it's something I'm just going to have to play with right, throughout right, right. this sort of season? Um, it is interesting. I mean, the, and and Noah plays into this a little bit. The presence of Noah. I mean, look look at what happened in in New Orleans. You had Noah was great. Right. Uh, you had Kyle was great. Um, so you had different players contributing, and it does feel like that um, with Noah, you might be able to sit Mark where previously. Well, you sort of wish they'd done the Noah thing a week earlier now, because then if you'd had Noah, maybe Casal doesn't play 47 minutes right, against, in his yeah. first game off of that. But yeah, I mean, you could, it seems to me survivable with Jermichael, Jaron Jackson, and Noah. It seems to me that that's a survivable um, cast of characters. And so um, it would not object. I also wonder if what the, the health implications are of if you start playing him and he looks, for example, like the other night when he just didn't have it, if you sit him at that point, are you getting the gains of not having, or, or does the fact that he warmed up and played the first quarter, does that still, like, where does that fit into the calculation? I, you know, may, maybe it's a, a night where you saw him last night where he's clearly just drifting through the game. Maybe there you just say, let's sit him down and not play him as many minutes. I mean, they closed with the starting lineup that had been very ineffective all game long. Yeah, other than they, they did put Jermichael Green in instead right, of Jared Jackson. Jackson. And you wonder, given given Gasol's the history, uh, the very recent history of not playing Marcus Hall, like if he do, if he doesn't have it like a game like Denver, are you willing to just sit him down at the end of the game for health reasons, right? <laughs> right. I think they need to sit him. It, it You see it all the time in all sports. If if somebody continues to try to play through an injury that's really hampering them, they're they're at greater risk for hurting something else. I mean, none of us are doctors here, but often the way it goes is you've hurt something on the right side of your body, and then you get an injury on the left side because you're overcompensating. So they're they're playing Russian roulette right now with him. It is funny. Well, I thought it was curious that he he sprained the ankle, and then two days later he was on the injury report for knee soreness. And so I I wondered that very thing you're talking about, Don. It is. This, this, you know, knee bone connected to the the ankle bone. It's it's real. (laughs) The day that he broke his foot, he was – Actually, who was on the injury report that he day? He was injury for sore foot that day for a sore foot. If you yeah. go back to that, I, I do think, by the way, just to step back, the big picture here is great. Um, it is everything you could have wanted. I mean, what I wanted coming into the season is, um, and is, is I wanted the team to be competitive. Um, and so we didn't have a season like last year. I wanted it to be competitive and entertaining. It has been, with the, except for the Lakers game. And the Indiana game, it has been competitive and entertaining. Um, and I wanted uh, Mark and Mike to be fundamentally healthy, and they have been ineffective, and they've been that fundamentally. And then I have wanted uh, J.B. Bickerstaff to prove to be a capable coach. And then the biggest thing is I've wanted Jaron Jackson to look like a budding star. And right across the board, all of those things have happened the way you would have wanted. So big picture, 
I think the state of the Grizzlies is remarkable that we're talking about these well, things in the context of well, staying in the playoff. Huh? As, as we speak, they've lost two games in a row. They're fifteen and eleven. They're head, they're on this three games and four night homestand before going out on the road again. They could they could lose out this whole homestand and then lose the game one on the road at Golden State and like you've lost six in a row and everyone's like panicking and like you're fifteen and fifteen and, and that's better than you would have expected before taken. the season started, right? Yeah. No, that's true. I, I also wonder if you get to the point where you do have to sit, Mark. What happens with Jaron? What do we, you know, does his development continue on the same track? Does it get better with you know the chance to be more alpha dog, or does it actually go? the other way because he, you know, maybe tries to do too much. I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's really curious to see what would happen if, if Mark s- sits down for a couple I think, of games. I think the Noah thing probably helps in that you can still avoid having him D-up the big centers even with Marcus all out. You can spot his minutes at center instead of having to throw him, like, into the fire, you know, defensively at center. I think that probably helps him. But I also think the Jaron thing is gonna it's just going to be up and down. And so – the ups have been so high that a lot of people just assume you're always going to get that if he's on the bench, like you're missing out on the ups, right? And I don't know if that's the case. Right. Like you know that that game against Denver where he wasn't playing well in the fourth quarter and Jamie Bickerstaff put Jamichael Green in instead. A lot of people fans are like, you could win this game if you got Jaron Jackson out there. Look what he did like at Brooklyn, and maybe he does that again, and maybe he's he's just bad. And I I just think as good as he's been, it's going to be up and down with him no matter what this season, right? Do you find any predictability? In it? Is there any pattern to when you get good Jaron and, and he uneven t- Jaron? He tends to, when he doesn't get immediate fouls, he tends to be pretty good very early in the game. Like, they tend to go for him a lot. Right. You know, you know, he, he gets down the court faster than his man and, and gets low position and he seems to he seems to start pretty well, and whether he finishes well seems more up and down. I don't know. I wonder how the calls that he gets or doesn't get will change at at whatever point later when he gets some recognition. You know, going to the All Star game, you know, the rookie game, or whatever. Right? Do you start to see that shift a little bit? Because I mean, I'm not a big conspiracy guy on that, but but it's real that like you kind of have to put your time in and get reputation to get more calls. Yeah, no, I think that's the case, and that's the thing about. I mean, he's 19, and so. You know, they're not even going to have the second contract with him, and he's like twenty. He'll be only he'll only be doing twenty four, twenty three, or whatever when you're doing that. And so, it's just such a long path for him. But we've talked so much about Marcus Hall and his injury situation, and the guys. Marcus Hall's not even on the injury report um, for the game tonight, Wednesday night against Portland. Um, it's funny they put out a it, minutes before we came in here. They put out a they emailed out an injury report and did not include Marcus Hall or Mike Conley on it, which are the real issues. But Mike Conley is like Mike Conley had suddenly he's been playing with a, a sore finger because he dislocated it. And now suddenly there's some hamstring thing that makes him questionable. And I, I do feel like the Conley, the Gasol thing seems more pressing because he is more clearly hurt and playing hurt. But I think the, I think the downside of not having Mike Conley is greater at this point than Marcus all even. I think that's always been the case just right. about, you know, I've always felt like he is more, when you talk about best player versus most valuable, he's always been the most, Valuable, And then you look at how much pressure he's under in the fourth quarter trying to close people passing up wide open shots and he's having to do everything. I even was really, my son and I talked about this in fact, I was really annoyed when it came time to inbounds the ball in that Denver game and it's rolling around on the court. Mark was the closest one to it, and he wouldn't go pick it up. Right. And referee wasn't going to go pick it up, and Mike had to go pick it up. I was like, really? You're even going to make him go get the ball, you know, and then you're going to make him do everything when you get down to the offensive end. So at some point, that's got to change a little bit because obviously you're 
there's more fatigue at the end of the game, and that's when Mike's getting put under the most pressure. That's not a good recipe for keeping him healthy. Well, we talk about these other guys they have who can step up into bigger roles, at least in short term, if without a Marcus All. I don't know if you have that with Mike Conley. Shelvin Mack has been better than expected so far, but he's been trending down a little bit, and I don't know if he's a guy who can take on a bigger role as your starting point guard. And they have never played Javon Carter, who is not going to be available for another week because he has his own knee soreness. Soreness is going around the locker room. And so I think they're in a if – if Mike Conley, and maybe you know, by the time some people listen to this, we'll know one way or the other, but if Mike Conley didn't play against Portland um, Wednesday night with Javon Carter not available, I think that's a rough 48 minutes. Right. Um, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen in small batches. We saw when he fouled out against the Clippers on the road, they fell apart right. completely. We saw that when he went out of the Denver game to the locker room with the leg thing, the what had been a 20-6 to six run immediately evaporated, ended. Um, I, I don't think there's any question. Without Mike, they have no – uh, they have no conductor. No, and, it, <laughs> and you know, Mark is never the same. We saw a whole year of that, right? right? It, it changes his attitude. It, it changes what he's capable of doing, and much less everybody else. The only thing it would do, it might force the Kyle Anderson point guard experiment to begin, right. and that would be interesting to watch, right. whether it would be effective or not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the biggest change on the roster, we've mentioned him a little bit, but since last we spoke, is, the, is Joe Noah. Yeah. Um, what, what are our impressions of that so far? Well, I like the um, – obviously his last game was not his best, um, but the first game was just a blast, and then the New Orleans game was a blast. And um, I just find it um, – it's fun to watch how much fun he's having, honestly, is to me. Um, he's a guy who could be sort of mailing it in at this point or retiring or whatnot. He's put what, what, a $70-some million contract with the Knicks. He's, he's, and, um, and to see the exuberance um, – is fun to watch. It's fun for fans for a team that is fairly low key, doesn't have a Tony Allen personality on it really. Um, it's fun for fans, and I think it is an injection of, um, you know, it is injection of enthusiasm for the players too. And so, um, so I think so far it looks like it's a genius move, particularly when coupled with the injury to Mark. Well, the, the better this team turns out to be, the more meaningful his limited role could be it's, it's like if you're the right. second lefty reliever specialist on a baseball team that's 500 eh, who cares but if it's a playoff team when you have to come in and get that guy out in the sixth inning it matters and that's kind of how it could be with Noah yeah no if they if they can stay in this tight Western Conference playoff race all season and like he's swinging one or two games over the course of a season those one or two games may be the mean difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs right Whereas if they fall out of the mix, then it's like a fun story, but it's like, you know, Lance Stevenson on the, on, the right. tw- on the 28 player, you know, Grizzlies of a well, couple how of much, years ago. How much fun was even Tyreek at the end of last year? It didn't right. matter. Right. Like it just didn't matter. Whereas if that had been a good team last year, if that had been a good team last year, the signing of Tyreek would have looked like a stroke of genius. It was still pretty darn smart, but it was all lost in the, in the abyss that was last year. I just think his personality is so interesting to me. And there's this interesting sort of disconnect, not even disconnect, but it's juxtaposition between the fieriness and the loudness of his on-court persona and how soft-spoken he has been in every public utterance off the court. Right. And sort of just the the humility and gratitude that he sort of expressed of getting the chance to play again, I think has been really interesting. But I just think on the floor, he's... You know, they they, they talk about grit and grind, and if you're going to be a top-five defense, go ahead, talk about grit and grind. But it is a different kind of personality than those teams. But he adds some of that personality. Like right. Garrett Temple and Kyle Anderson are good defensive players. But Joakim Noah has a little bit of that sort of wildness to him on the floor that is 
I think he is closer to Tony Allen than anyone else is on the roster, and he just showed up like a week ago. Right. No, I, yes, uh, there's no question. Kyle Anderson is a very effective defensive player, but he does not electrify you in right. that same way. He amuses you when he's going down, when he's, when he's making a layup, when he's, right, on a, right, right. when he's on his slow break. He, he's amusing. but um, it's bar, His barge-like Euro step. I, I do like the barge analogy. Right. It is very much like a barge going down the Mississippi. Um, so he amuses you in a different way. Do you have confidence, Tony Allen going in for a layup or Kyle Anderson barge-like moving down? the? Uh, which which would you take? I have more confidence in Kyle Anderson if he's completely uncontested than Tony Allen completely <laughs> uncontested. Right. But, <laughs> but in terms of contested, contested layups, it's a closer call. Than I think yeah. it's a pretty close call. Yeah. And Tony was always better when there was somebody in his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's by himself. What always killed me is like, if you had gone to a girls' third grade basketball game the night before, you watched girls make that shot, right? right, right and then right. now Tony doesn't. It just, yeah, it's like if he if he left with only one thing to focus on that wasn't defense, he couldn't really focus on it, right? It just wasn't. It is funny, by the way. The most fun I've had in the last couple of weeks of of writing stuff was I was out there. Oh, well, uh, the last podcast we did was before this. Tell us about this, right? Uh, Tony Allen. Yeah, Tony Allen was doing a deal. It was Thanksgiving, so he was doing a deal. Um, uh, where they were giving out, um, he decided, even though he's unemployed and hanging out at home, he decided he wanted to give out turkeys and whatnot. And so he was just Tony. Like, he was fantastic. He was, he had something to say to everybody. He was just wonderful. And it was a, it was a joy to be in his presence. He is still working out. He'd actually been in L.A., no, no, Las Vegas. He'd been in Las Vegas for the previous month or two um, working out. Um, and had just sort of gotten back to Memphis. Um, but um, he still wants to play. He said he thought during the summer that there was a shot that the Grizzlies would bring him back, but then it didn't happen. Um, and But he, 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 he said he couldn't bring himself to go to a game yet because he might cry, right. um, which was sweet. But, um, but he very clearly, you know, he, he stays in touch with him. Mike Conley, you saw that, said that if uh, – that, that if he makes the All-Star game this year, the first call he's going to make is to Tony because Tony was always his biggest advocate. So um, it was just fun to see Tony. And it was he was clearly – he remonstrated a – there was a TV guy who had just arrived in the city who didn't know about Tony, and Tony just was like – <laughs> me, I've been doing the yeah, let, let me, me tell, tell you, you about me right. it was just hilarious <laughs> and um but like every kid he, it was just great it was just great and it was a reminder how much fun he was to have around the, the, there there needs to be a reconciliation at some point between him and the organization a, a union in some form yes. it's gonna have to wait till Tony comes to grips with not playing basketball again but at that point I I would hope and I would assume he will be a part of the organization in some capacity Right, right. You would hope he's certainly beloved. All right, we're about running out of time. We're going to do a shorter version this week. The big weekend at FedEx Forum was three basketball games in two days. Um, the Grizzlies host the Miami Heat, the Houston Rockets. University of Memphis hosts Tennessee Volunteers, top five ranked. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, number three, number three, number three ranked. And what will be, I assume, the biggest game of the season for the Tigers. Um, all of us will be there in some varying levels for for over the weekend. We'll have somebody there for all three games and multiple people for most of them, I would assume, along with Jonah Jordan and Clay Bailey, who will be there for the Tigers game, and Clay will be there for the Grizzlies too. And so check out our coverage for all those all three of those games this weekend. Um, for Don and Jeff, thanks for coming in again, guys. Uh, I'm Chris Harrington, and this has been the Daily Miffian Grizzlies podcast. Thanks to the OAM, OAM Network. 
Gil Worth, Natalie Chandler on the ones and twos. Subscribe to the site at dailymiffian.com. You can get a year for $77, one month free. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at, at @dailymiffian, And make sure to subscribe to our Grizzlies podcast and the rest of our podcasts, including our Tigers podcast that Jeff and Don are on, wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.